This is Instant Game Reaction, an immediate look back at the Colts' latest game. He's at the 10, he's at the 5, looking for the pylon, touchdown, Jonathan Taylor, a run of 23 yards to Pater. They'll walk it upfield, it's intercepted, picked off by the Colts, and it's Darius Leonard. Wentz throws upfield into the end zone, sack, Pascal, touchdown, touchdown, I-N-D-Y. Now, here's your host, J.J. Stankovitz from Colts.com. Hey everyone, welcome into another edition of Colts Instant Game Reaction here on the Colts Audio Network. I'm your host, JJ Stankovitz, joined as always by Bill Brooks to break down the Colts' 45-30 win over the New York Jets on Thursday Night Football. Bill, that score had never been seen in NFL history before Thursday. It's a scoregami. <laughs> yes, it is. Something new, something uh, different, but I'm glad we're on the favorable side of that. I, I'm just, I, I'm working on about two hours of sleep right now <laughs> and a large coffee, and I am just, I'm excited for Scorigami. Um, the Colts in this game, Bill, I, w- I want to start here. Coming off that Thursday night, or the, the Sunday loss, excuse me, to the Tennessee Titans, where Randy Bullock's kick goes through the uprights, and 100 hours later, you have to play another football game. We can talk all we want about, oh, it's just the Jets, but, I mean, the Jets did beat the Bengals and the Titans this year, and for the Colts to come out and play a a game where they started fast, I mean, touchdowns on their first four possessions and six of their first seven possessions, the Colts, by the way, in those first seven possessions – they're, they they only could have gained two more yards. Like, they literally gained all the yards that were available to be gained except two. So to come out with that strong of a start, what did that tell you about just the resiliency of this team, Bill? They were ready to play. Um, they really flushed out last week's game against the Titans. And, and you know, it, after that field goal went through uh, against the Titans, it was, it was deflating. It, it was deflating, and I know as a – as a fan and um, someone that roots for the Colts, it was deflating. So I can imagine what it was for the players, how they felt knowing that um, they had a chance to win and get right back into the division race. Um, and then next thing you know, you lose a game. But then you have to flush it out real quick because Thursday comes real fast. And um, they did a good job. They did a good job of flushing out, especially offensively. They, they came out and they want to establish – their offense, established in line of scrimmage, run the ball, um, be physical, move the ball down the field, um, just take control of the Jets any way they can, and they did that. They ran the ball well. Jonathan Taylor had a good game. Naheem Hines ran the ball well and caught the ball well also. And, you know, they spread it around. Uh, Carson Wentz spread the ball around, got the ball to different guys out there, and the offense was as balanced as you're going to get it um, in regards to run-pass ratio. So I thought they did a nice job of – preparing all week and coming out and showing that they were ready to play and they forgot about the last week's game. So we're going to get into the defense later on in this podcast. So uh, just, you know, we're not forgetting about it, but I want to start with Jonathan <laughs> Taylor because, I mean, Bill, 19 carries, 172, 172 yards, two touchdowns. He now has the two longest running plays in the NFL this season with his 83-yard rush against Houston and his 78-yard touchdown against the Jets on Thursday night. I mean, Jonathan Taylor, he, there's a real chance that Jonathan Taylor wins the NFL rushing crown this year. I mean, what he is doing, he's on pace for about 1,500 yards. 
He's got touchdowns in every single game since week three. I mean, it, what he's doing is it, it's it's remarkable, but it's not surprising. No, it's not. It's not surprising. And I think we saw this starting last year. Mm-hmm. At the beginning of the year, at the beginning of the year last year, he really got thrown into the to the offense in regards to Marlon Mack being injured and you know not being able to play all of a sudden after, early in the season. So he gets thrown in, um, and it took him a little time to get adjusted to the National Football League and how things are ran and how things are done. And so he had an adjustment for that. And you could see last year. Each week he was getting better. He was getting better, getting better, getting better each week, until at the, at the end of the season you saw him make those long runs, like against the Raiders last year, and then they, you know, go into the playoffs and he's playing well. So he did a nice job last year, and then he just picked up right where he left off mm-hmm. during training camp, practicing hard, being prepared, working with Carson Wentz, doing the things he needed to do as a running back, not just as far as running the ball and catching the ball, but also in blitz pickup and things of that nature. So. He was being prepared and working hard. And then now you get into the season, you see him every time he has his opportunity to make a play, he makes a play. Yeah, He's running hard, he's hitting the holes, and the thing I like about him, he's so patient. For a young guy to be that patient mm-hmm. as far as setting up your blocks, setting up uh, the run so your, your blockers, your offensive linemen can get the blocks and set them up so they can make blocks that are easier for them, um, it's, 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 it's pretty to watch. It's he- nice to watch him do all those things. And to be able to run and, and – take those long runs and just outrun defensive backs, yeah. I mean, to the end zone. I mean, he's a guy that has strength, has quickness, he's fast, and he can just make moves. And he, he, he's doing all the right things as a running back and as a teammate. Bill, I, I thought this was really interesting. Ryan Kelly mentioned to me after the game that because of his, his speed – which Ryan Kelly said is undervalued. Naheem Hines said is deceptive. I mean, he's a guy at 220-something pounds. You didn't expect to be that fast. But Kelly said defensive backs have to take really, really deep pursuit angles to get to him, and that just adds more yards. So explain to the listeners what that means and how that is allowing Jonathan Taylor to continue to pick up these chunk plays. Well, it's uh, if, if you guys know anything about geometry, it's a little bit like geometry. I actually. don't know much about geometry. <laughs> it's all about angles. When your defensive back is coming at a uh, running back, it's all about angles. Now, if he ca- takes a sharp angle to the running back, running back, if he has speed mm-hmm. like Jonathan Taylor does, He's going to run right past See ya. He's, go- he's gone. It's what he did on the 78-yard touchdown where it, Ashton Davis, the, the Jets' safety, took a sharp angle. Exactly. So his this speed is deceptive. So guys think, oh, I can get to him. Oh, I'm going to take this angle. I'm going to get to him right now. Oh, no, he's gone. Too late. And that's what happens with Jonathan Taylor. He has deceptive speed. People don't think he's running that fast, but he's covering a lot of ground. Mm-hmm. So what DBs are going to have to do, and I'm sure they see this on film, is like, hey, I can't take that bad angle. I'm going to miss the tackle and be embarrassed. So I have to take a little deeper angle, not go directly at him, go where I think he's going to be and, and kind of match up his speed with my speed. So if I can match up his speed with my speed and meet him at a point, I'll have a better chance of tackling him. But they don't do that. They misjudge his speed, and then he's, take, he's taking off, and next thing you know, he has a 78-yard touchdown. But because of that, I mean, Jonathan Taylor, he leads the NFL in explosive running plays. He's got 24 runs of 10 or more yards this season. He's got six runs of 20 or more yards and three of those have been touchdowns I mean that so you're giving him you're essentially saying if we give you 10 yards but we don't let you go 70 
that's a that's how defenses might have to start approaching and are approaching Jonathan Taylor because if you try to hit him down and get him for a gain of four or five, he's going to do what he did on that seventy-eight yard touchdown, which is take it to the house. Exactly. I mean, it's it's incredible. Also, by the way, Bill, you you mentioned. I just want to go back real quick to what JT did last year. Over Jonathan Taylor's last 16 games, so that's dating back to week 9 of the 2020 season, 266 attempts, 1,574 carries, that's an average of 5.9 yards per carry, 17 total touchdowns. He's averaging over like a touchdown a game, nearly 6 yards a pop. That's incredible. That's the one that impresses me the most, 6 yards a pop. Yeah. Every time you touch the ball, on average, you're going to roughly get 6 yards every time you touch that ball any running back any person any coach any offensive coordinator would love to have a running back that touches the ball knowing that hey i'm gonna get six yards so on first down if i want to run the ball all right i get six yards now second and four Mm -hmm. i can do anything i want i can pass the ball i can run the ball i can set screens i can do whatever i want so it gives the offensive coordinator more opportunities to do different things out there in the football field with your offense so mm-hmm. it, it, it brings in the whole playbook for the offense when you have a running back that can do those things run the ball run the ball effectively run the ball efficiently and then gain six six yards say he only gains five yards but still five yards per carry is remarkable so if jonathan taylor finishes the season with over 250 carries and an average of 5.9 yards per carry he would only be the sixth player in NFL history to hit those marks. I mean, that's hard. It is hard to do. Just think about that. Yeah. The sixth player in NFL history. You know and, how many running backs have been yeah. through the NFL? And, and, Bill, the guys on that list, Barry Sanders, <laughs> Jim Brown, um, uh, Eric Dickerson. I mean, we're talking about Hall of Fame running backs there. I want to ask you this, though, because the, the Colts getting these explosive running plays – you know, Naheem Hines starting the game with a 34-yard touchdown. What's the difference for a defense in an explosive running play versus an explosive passing play? Because to me, it seems like you can play that kind of soft coverage like the Colts played a lot of against the Jets and give up a passing play of 20 yards here or there, but it's sort of like we can snap back in and say, all right, we can still get that. Explosive running plays seem like that is a, a will-breaker for a defense. You are exactly right because when you have a running back on an offense that can run the ball and break your back by running the ball down your throat mm-hmm. like that, it's just ment- from a mentality standpoint, the offensive line feels like, hey, we control you guys now. Yeah, We can just move the ball wherever we want to, move you guys back off the line of scrimmage, reestablish a new line of scrimmage, and our running back's just going to run it down your throat. And for a defense, that is just... It's just... It breaks your will, mm-hmm. really, that you don't really – I mean, you you want to play, but it's like, you know what, guys, we can't stop them. This is going to be a long, long, long day. And so when you do that as an offense, you feel like, hey, we can do anything we want. We want to run off tackle? Let's run off tackle. We got this. We want to run off the middle? Oh, don't worry about it. Let's run it right down the middle. Oh, mm-hmm. No problem. We, we got it. You know what? We want to run a, a counter? We, let's run a counter. You know what? We, got, we want to run a trap? Run a trap. Do, do what, Coach, yeah. do whatever you want to do. Run any play. We've got this covered because yeah. we have a running back that can just run the ball down the throats. Is going to take advantage of all the holes that we're opening. So just run the ball wherever you want to do. Yeah, and and, that, and you're you're setting every time that happens, the chains are moving. It's not even if you get seven yards on a run, you can as a defense you can kind of say, all right, second and three, let's bow up. But when it's first and ten to another first and ten, 
I mean, that that just seems impossible to get over as a defense. And then, like you said, for the offense, like you know it. Like I, I asked a couple Colts players about that after the game, and they all said like it. You like you said, Bill, it breaks their will, and you can just like you can kind of sense that on the field. You can sense it. You can sense it in their body language as far as the defense, the defense body language, like kind of moping around, walking real slow, really don't want to be out there, and also it physically wears them out. I mean, it wears them out and it energizes you, the offense because you know, hey, I'm gonna put forth an effort, but this guy. He doesn't have that energy right mm-hmm. now because he's mentally he's beat and that's affecting him physically. So the offense just goes right at him and goes right at him and it energizes the offense and they're ready to go. Let, let's go. Let's yeah. go again. Let, let's run again. Okay, no, let's get to the line of scrimmage. We don't need a huddle. Let's get to the line of scrimmage. Call from the line of scrimmage. Let's go. Let's go. And just wear those guys out. And, and one other interesting thing here that Ryan Kelly told me was that he, he will take a tired offensive line over a tired defensive line every single play. Anytime, because more than likely a defensive lineman, when they get tired, the first thing they're going to do because they want to get some air is stand straight up. And when they stand straight up, the offensive line say, hey, this is perfect. You're standing straight up. You don't have any leverage on me. Now I got you. I can just push you and move you anywhere I want to move you. So for an offensive line, that is great. So there were other players in this game besides Jonathan Taylor. I know we've spent a lot of time on him, but he's really good. <laughs> he's not. He's not bad. And actually, uh, he touched the ball. <laughs> he touched the ball a third of the time for the plays they had. I mean, he, yeah. had, he had 20, 21 touches. Twenty one touches, yep. and they had sixty plays. So that was. I mean, that that was awesome. So let's talk a little bit about Carson Wentz's day. Twenty two of thirty, two seventy two, three touchdowns, no interceptions, one hundred and thirty four point three passer rating. I thought it was a really encouraging performance for. Carson with the way that that Titans game ended with those interceptions to come out take what was there Frank Reich said he he played a near perfect game in terms of his decisions and the accuracy on his throws there was just that one miss to Naheem Hines down the far sideline late in the game that Reich said was a an, an inaccurate throw but for for Carson to show the the mental toughness again I think we've talked about this a little bit this season that for Wentz if you can avoid the mistakes snowballing like they did last year with the Eagles and and get him to just play at a level like this where he's very much within himself week to week you can win with that and 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 again for those mistakes to not snowball I know the Jets are last in the NFL in interception rate they have one pick the entire season but they're still an NFL team you know and and to not let that snowball in a short week, I think, was really encouraging. It's very encouraging because I think a lot of times what happens with Carson, or I should say last year, what happened with Carson was Carson was feeling like he had to make a play. He yeah. had to make a play. I have to make the play for his offense to go. I have to make the play for his offense to go. Where here, he does not have to make a play every time. Get the ball into the playmaker's hands. You get the ball underneath the Pittman, let Pittman run, run a couple guys over. Get the ball underneath the Naheem Hines. Let him run. Uh, the guys can't catch him. You got Mo Ali Cox. You can get the ball to. So there are a lot of players he can get the ball to, and not worry about it being a big play. So he doesn't have to make the big play, the, the play down the field, throw the ball forty or fifty yards down right. the field to make a big play. So for him to bounce back from last week's game, where I, I know he wanted that last throw back as far as the Pittman, the interception, and some other plays, I'm sure as far as throwing the ball, for him to come out and take what they. Gave him as far as, you know, I'm just going to go here. I'm going to go dunk it here. I'm just going to throw it here. And when the opportunity comes to throw it down the field, I will throw it down the field. And the one play that stands out in my mind, the play I love, is when Carson Wentz, he rolled out to the right, and then uh, the whole defense kind of, of course, rolled with him. And Zach Pascal was on the right side, went over 
to the left side. Yep. Carson Winston stops, sets his feet, throws back. Yep. Zach Pascoe mm-hmm. wide open. A yep. big a big play, a long play, um, big play where you know what all the times he's rolling out and then just throwing it short or he's throwing it short, short, short. It opens up those plays where you're going to have right. them. You might not have those plays every single game. You might not throw those top, those plays 10, 15 times a game. It might only happen two or three times a game. But the usually the play is wide open yep. because you've set it up before with the great running game and also with the short passing that they get frustrated with because the players are making plays. They're catching the ball, running for first downs. And they keep on moving the ball, keep on moving the ball. So defense wants to stop them. They come up. Once they come up, you yep. fake, roll out, throw it over their heads. And that's the type of offense I think this this team can have where you just have to be patient at times. Yeah, take exactly. What, take what they give you. Be patient. You know what? It's going to come. It might not come in the first quarter or the second quarter when you want it. It might come late in the third quarter or it might come early in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. But you have to be patient and just take what they give you. And I think that's a really good point because the, the way the NFL is going on defense is – forcing teams to be patient yes. but the counter to that on offense is saying we will be patient and now are you going to blink are you going to become impatient and we've seen the Colts do a really good job when opposing defenses hit that mark of like let's just get after them like you get kind of antsy and just let's just get after them of hitting those shots and getting those chunk plays on those opportunities um you know Michael Pittman Jr. by the way <laughs> five touchdowns in his last five games now he is on pace, Bill. Let's do a Michael Pittman Jr. on pace check-in. He is on pace for 95 receptions, 1,000, about a little over 1,200 yards, about 1,230 yards, uh, if my math is correct there. And it is, I believe, I'm just trying to do math. In, in my head. In, in my head is just a bad idea, even like, when what, I, what, I've got full, full amount of sleep. Exactly. <laughs> so Michael Pittman Jr., ninety-five on pace, 95 receptions, 1,230 yards, and about 10 touchdowns this year. Unbelievable. I mean, coming in last year, um, as a rookie last year, playing, had an unfortunate injury. He had to be out for a little while. Um, but playing last year, I'm sure he wanted to get the ball more and the injury kind of set him back a little bit. But And not knowing the offense and things like that, because that's a big adjustment coming mm-hmm. into the National Football League. First of all, not having a full understanding of the offense. And then also, the defenses are different than college. So it's an adjustment that you have to make as far as understanding where not just the defensive backs, uh, safeties, but you have to understand the linebackers, defensive linemen, and things that they're doing. You know, you have zone blitzes, guys dropping out into a zone area, and you you know you think it's going to be a linebacker, but he's gone. Then all of a sudden, you see a defensive lineman in your area as far as when you're running your route. So he had to learn all those things as far as a, a young guy, and comes back this year, learns those things. Then he starts feeling more comfortable in the offense, understanding the offense, and then you see him start being more aggressive as far as running his routes, understanding where he needs to be at a certain time, um, running hard, running physical. And then he and Carson went spending time together during the offseason, mm-hmm. working together on different things and feeling comfortable with one another. And like anything else, that just takes time. It just takes time. And, you know, they spent a lot of time together. And now you're seeing it starting to pay off. And Carson Wentz feeling very, very comfortable with him. He's one of the guys that I'm sure when Carson's in trouble, he's looking for where, where is Pittman, knowing that right. I can yes. get it, if, I get, if I can get it close to Pittman, either he's going to get it, if he can get his hands on it, or no one else is going to get it. Uh, so that's that's the comfort that Carson has with, with the receiver, knowing that he's going to be in the right place at the right time and he's going to go for the ball. So 
as long as Pittman keeps on playing the way he's playing, I mean, I, I as a former receiver, I love seeing that because he's playing aggressive, uh-huh. he's playing physical. Yeah. Most receivers aren't, from a mental standpoint, going to go out and play aggressive. They say, hey, look, I need to get open. I need to do whatever I can. I don't need to spend time being physical with this defensive back. I need to get him off of me so I can get right. open. Michael Pittman said, you want to come up in my face? Come up in my face. I don't care. Yeah. I'm going to hit you. I'm going to I'm gonna move you around. And then once I catch it, you better be better buckle up because I'm going right after you. I don't, and I'm not going to try to run around you sometimes. I'm going right after you. I'm going to run it, over you. It's rare for a receiver to maybe initiate that contest. Yes. This is something I, I was talking about this with Xavier Rhodes back in training camp about how some of the great big body receivers in NFL history, you know, he mentioned Julio Jones and Calvin Johnson. They would give you their chest and say, hit me. Like, you pre- like I want you to hit me. Are you seeing that with Pittman? I'm not saying Pittman is Calvin Johnson, Julio Jones, but I'm right. saying are you seeing him say, I want that contact because I know I can out-physical you with that? I'm not saying he wants it at the line of scrimmage, but if you do it down the field, it doesn't bother him. Okay. He said, I don't, I, I'm strong enough. I, I, I don't care if you hit me, mm-hmm. but be, be ready to be hit yourself because yeah. I'm going to hit you back once I catch the ball and, get, and, and have it and be able to run. I'm going to hit you back. So I think he's, he's one of those guys that – um, he enjoys the physical contact, and one of the guys that came to mind as far as that initiates the 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 physicality is Anquan Bolden. Yeah, the guy mm-hmm. he, for, for he he now he would initiate it as far as from the line of scrimmage. He's gonna I'm I'm gonna hit you yeah. before you hit me, and then he's gonna run his route. So he was the one that guy that came to mind when you said that okay. as far as yeah. a receiver. But I don't think Pittman's like that. I mean, if you come up in his face, he's gonna get off the line of scrimmage. Yeah, it, it doesn't bother him for. Someone to come up in his face. He's going to do what he can to get off the line of scrimmage and get up the field. So, I mean, I, I like the way the young man's playing. He's doing a nice job, and he's he's the thing I like about Pittman more than anything else is his confidence. Mm-hmm. He is very confident in how he's playing, yep. and and to me, it showed in that touchdown he caught. He caught the ball, and he actually held the ball out, so he wasn't afraid to you know like oh I can't I can't use my hands. I can use you know he can use his hands in the end zone. Held it out, figuring that hey I'm strong enough to hold it enough long enough to have it where we're going to score a touchdown. And the guy was riding his back, yep. and you know there's another guy safety there that after he got his third foot down, uh, knocked it out, but it was a touchdown. So, it, it mean, I just love the young man's confidence right now. And thank God it was a touchdown because I don't think I could have taken another second of <laughs> was that a catch Twitter oh. because, man, no one, no one knows what a catch is, but that was a catch at least. Well, quick, quick final things on the offense, Bill, before we get to the defense. Uh, Danny Pinter. Big man catching a <laughs> touchdown. You love seeing that. He, he was a tight end. Yes. Came into Ball State as a tight end, so he's got a little bit of ball skills. But the thing that I love about that was the Colts put that play in in a previous week and then ran it on a Thursday where they didn't really practice it because they just did walkthroughs. But Carson Wentz told Danny, like, essentially, hey, if you're open, I'm going to get it to you on that play. You know, just yell and I'll get it to you, and that's what happened. So walkthroughs do matter. That's what I'm saying here. Um, Naheem Hines getting his longest career rush. That was the 34-yard touchdown. A um, couple other guys here. Kylan Granson getting a 27-yard catch and run. You really like to see that. Uh, Zach Pascal. You mentioned him. He had that 31-yard reception. Mo Ali Cox had a 28-yard catch, and Jack Doyle touchdowns in consecutive games now for him and. Just the the last thought here, the receiver blocking to tie it back into the run game. You you had to do that for Eric Dickerson. 
what's the mentality that you need as a receiver to stick your nose in on those blocks knowing that it could turn seven into 70? Well, the thing you have to realize is that, you know what, I don't want to be the guy to cause him not to score a touchdown. Uh-huh. That's, that's, that's the one thing. That, that's, that's my thought process when I go out there. It's like, hey, I want to do my job to block the defensive backs or whoever's out there in front of me. It could be a safety. It could be a linebacker coming out there, try my best to block a linebacker. But I don't want to be the guy that prevents him from scoring a touchdown on this long play, 50 yards, 40, 60, 70, however long it is. I want to go out there and do my job. So that's the, that's the mentality I have, and that's what the receivers have. Because, you know what, it, everyone's in this together. And, you know, I know that the running back's going to do his job when there's a pass play to run the right route if he has a route call. Or if he has to block and pick up a blitz, he's going to do that to pick up the blitz to keep the guy off the quarterback so the quarterback has that extra second to throw the ball down the field to a receiver, tight end, or another running back. It doesn't matter. But to get the job done so we can execute this play. So as a receiver, you guys say, hey, look, I want to do my job so I can help my teammate out who I care about to make those big plays, those long runs. And you know what? These guys here, you know, Pascal, Pittman, Doolin, those guys are blocking downfield, making those big plays. And you know what? Those blocks don't have to be like a block where you pancake somebody. Right. You just have to get in the guy's face, get in his way, turn him away so the running back can understand that. Running back can run off your butt or whatever it is and make the big play and make the long run. You don't have to be someone that's going to, like I said, pancake the guy, but just be effective with your block so the running back can take advantage of it and make that big run. All right, so let's talk about the Colts' defense in this game and the the weird day for the Jets. I mean, Mike White gets hurt throwing a touchdown on the first Jets drive of the game, uh, excuse me, the second Jets drive of the game, and... Josh Johnson, journeyman, 35-year-old quarterback, recently of the San Diego fleet among several teams, including the Colts in 2015 for a little bit, steps in. White and Johnson combined 34 of 52 for 412, excuse me, 398 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. And a, a lot of this came late in the game, right? where the Colts had this this game in hand. The Jets were never really going to get back into it, but they kind of, you know, they got down to the Colts' 7-yard line with 45 seconds to go. That's when Taylor Stallworth, who had a great game, tipped that Johnson pass. Bobby Okereke picked it off. Game over. But if the Jets score that touchdown, all of a sudden they get the two-point conversion and an onside kick. They're driving to tie the game. I mean, it, it was it wasn't dicey yet but no. it was like um i guess it was like you know when there's like that like weather system that is in the middle of the atlantic that you're sort of like i guess we're watching that we're not worried about it yet but we're watching it yeah it it, it, it puts our antennas up yeah and- so the, the the colts defense in this game I, I know a lot of people were frustrated with how they finished and and the colts admitted hey you know we have to finish better on defense certainly what did you see, Bill? Why were the Jets able to pass the ball so effectively against the Colts? I think the Jets did what we had talked about earlier with Carson Wentz. They took what the Colts gave them, which is the underneath stuff. And then they weren't afraid to dink and dunk their way down the field. Uh, they did that the week before against yep. the Bengals. So Mike, did, White, yep. Mike White did that. He didn't throw a pass, I think, over 15 yards. Mm-hmm. Um, last week, and they just dinked and dunked their way down the field to score points and to beat the Bengals. So they figured they're going to use the same game plan to get back into the game. 
And like you said, you know, before the Starworth tipped that pass, you know, if they score a touchdown, you know, they probably I don't think they go for two. I think they go for one and then maybe go for two. If they have opportunity to get the onside kick, then they go for the two at the end. Because if they go for two the first time and they miss it, then then they have to have had two more possessions to to uh, to win the game or, or tie the game. Right. So um, they they just dinked and dunked. They took what they gave them, and you know, the corners played off and played soft. So they gave the receivers free releases down the field so they can do what they need to do. So I, I think you know, regardless, as has been said, the Colts need to do a better job of finishing games um, so that they can. Know, have this game secured and not give the fans any heart attacks right. out there. Um, but I, 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 th- I think things will get better. I think they will do the things that they need to do to finish these games. Um, you know, getting turnovers is great. Um, you know, of course, Darius getting another punch, punch out. out again. Um, it's, yeah, it's getting like a bro- <laughs> it's getting, we're, we're, we're becoming like a broken record with him and, yep. and punch outs. But, uh, you know, so I, I think if they can continue to get the turnovers, you know, they can close these games out. So the the Colts, by the way, two turnovers, uh, two takeaways on defense uh, on Thursday. They now lead the NFL with twenty takeaways this year. They're plus ten in turnover margin. That tells you something about how good this team is. Um, but you you want to see more at the end of games. the The thing here, though, was like the Colts did take away the big play. Yes, which is what you're trying to do in these situations Colts played a ton of cover six and said you know essentially if you want to take those throws go ahead and take them and that's what the Jets did that's like you said Bill that's what they did against the Bengals last week and you you know you what you want then is the sack or the turnover exactly which you finally got at the end you didn't get enough in the sack department Taylor Stallworth was the only guy who had a sack he had two of them by the way uh in a really good game the, I'm not as worried about this just based on how the game flow was and how, again, you want to keep everything in front of you in those situations. Um, I think a lot of people are hanging on to, how could Josh Johnson do this to this defense? He's a 35-year-old journeyman quarterback who you know, has more interceptions and touchdowns in his career. But, like, I mean... Evident, the, evidently, he made he's good enough to be on a team, right? And this is and, a national the, football the, league. The throws he were he was making, I don't mean to minimize them, but for an NFL quarterback, the degree of difficulty on that was relatively low. Pro Football Focus they have the stat big time throws, which is essentially just like when a quarterback completes a difficult pass. Josh Johnson had won the entire game. I mean, it that that's not again to say that he didn't play well because he played extremely well, but he just. Did what he, he played within what the Colts were giving him. Exactly. And that that to me is a little more okay for the defense than if they gave up a bunch of big plays late in the game. Right. The, the defense thought process, I'm assuming, is well, this guy hasn't played a lot. He's a journeyman. He's going to make a mistake eventually. Right. So let's not play a defense where they can get over the top. Now, in saying that, outside of Elijah Moore and Maybe Mims is the only guys with as far as with speed to get over the top. Crowd is good, don't get me wrong, but mm-hmm. he's not. He doesn't have the yeah, speed, to get, speed guy. to get over the top. None of those guys are really real speed guys except uh, uh, Elijah Moore. So, um, but in saying that, you know they they just play. Say, hey, let's not give them anything easy, which would have been something down the field. Let's make them work for it, 
and go down the field. The only thing I would say is I, I would like to see maybe defensive backs play a little bit closer mm-hmm. on them, and if they're going to play that zone, just play a little bit closer, be a little bit more physical at the line of scrimmage. Yeah, Xavier Rhodes left the game with a calf injury. That's something we will monitor when we hear from Frank Reich later on Friday. By the way, Quiddy Pay, he didn't have a sack, but he was very disruptive. He played a very good game. Pro Football Focus gave him a 90.1 defensive grade for this game. Um you know, we're starting to see it come out of Quiddy over the last couple weeks. He, I know the the sacks aren't there, but you're seeing the disruption start to be there. And sometimes, you know, if you're a young pass rusher, you kind of need to crawl before you walk. And we're starting to see the the development. Quiddy Pay to me is on a good trajectory right now as we enter the second half of the season. Exactly, I think so. A young guy coming into the league is sometimes it's difficult difficult to to make the adjustments and like you say he's he's make he's taking the right steps right now and, and last week he had two quarterback hits um in the game and he had pass deflection and you know didn't have a lot of tackles or anything like that but he had you know two combined tackles but he's making plays he, he he's playing aggressive he's playing hard and players that play like that play hard and play aggressive on play after play it's going to come it's just a matter of time and then when it when it clicks for him it's going to be like ah that's it yep that's oh, that's how I beat this guy. Okay, I'm gonna put that in my repertoire now. And so then he's gonna actually start putting things in his repertoire, and then he's gonna have a, a full, full, full portfolio of things that he's able to do. And when he's able to do those things and then unleash them, mm-hmm. then you're gonna see the quitty pay. I think that people are, are looking for because I think the young man has a lot of talent. He's a very talented young man, and he has a motor. He does not stop. He keep continues to play and. That's what you want. You want a young guy that's willing to work, and you can you can take care of the other stuff down the road. Um, long as he needs, long as he learns and he's willing to learn, which he is, and he has a motor, you can work with players like that. Let's just put a bow on this. Jonathan Taylor, through the first nine games of his career last year, averaged 3.8 yards per carry. We're not talking about Jonathan Taylor averaging 3.8 yards per carry before. So when uh, you see the young guy have the effort and some of the flashes – Usually that comes together. But anyways, this podcast has now come together. You can follow me on Twitter at JJ Stankovitz. Please rate, review, and subscribe to us on the Colts Audio Network. Give us a five-star review. Drop us a rating. We love seeing those. It helps get the Colts Audio Network in more earballs, which is Lara Overton's favorite word, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we'll be back with... A new episode here on the Colts Audio Network of Inside Football with Rick Venturi. Matt Taylor and Coach Rick Venturi will be breaking down the Colts-Jets game. That will be out later on Friday. And then we will be back, myself, with Jeffrey Gorman and Lara Overton for the Colts Official Podcast next Tuesday. Anyways, have a great weekend. Enjoy a Sunday without Colts football. Going to be weird, but maybe go do some yard work. Go to the Children's Museum. Do whatever it may be that you're going to do with your Sunday without watching the Colts, because the Colts already got to win 45 to 30 over the New York Jets to start week nine. Anyways, for Bill Brooks, I'm JJ Stankovitz. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.